Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to come once again to you wherever you are at. We are so blessed, and we consider consider it an honor always to open up the Word of God. And we want to just take a moment just to thank all our listeners for always supporting us and, and really the comments that we are li- that we are hearing uh, coming from you guys really is an encouragement unto us of the things that God is showing each and every one of you. And so today on this Friday, April the 22nd, 2020, um, I am ready. We are delighted to go into the study of the word. And that's always, as always, it's a privilege and it's always an honor to be with my brothers, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, Brother Jeremiah, to open the Word of God today. And I know that God has some things for us today. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it here with you. It's always a blessing to be with you, my brother. Amen. It's really great to be back again on this uh, this Friday, <laughs> April the 24th. Uh, but uh, we're really excited about all the things that God has been doing and God has been saying and what he's been revealing in the word. And, and we're going to continue along those lines of our study today. Uh, yesterday we talked about um, the prince of the power of the air. And we've been talking out of uh, Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul commands us to take up the whole armor of God. He reveals to us that our strength is in the Lord and the power of his might. And then in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he begins to tell us that we are in a fight, a violent fight. He calls it uh, wrestling. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And what we've been talking about there is the fact that Paul was alerting to us, and that is the church throughout the ages, that that we are now engaged in a conflict. And he wants us not to be ignorant of that fact, but to understand that the unfolding plan of of salvation is is yet active and what i mean by that is that of course all things were one on the cross and the resurrection on the third day but that jesus then ascends into heaven where he is right now and he is seated at the right hand of the father ever living to make intercession for us and we are awaiting his return but there is a lot of activity that has been taking place over the last two thousand years which is bringing us to the culmination of history as we've known it. And what is being revealed by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, is that in the interim between the return of the Lord and and the leaving of the Lord or the ascension of the Lord and his second coming, that we were going to need to understand that now we are engaged in a battle. And we're going to look at this day today <laughs> that battle coming to a conclusion. I believe that we have entered either the, the the days of sorrow that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24, or conceivably we could be right on the precipice of the beginning of the tribulation period. And we're going to see as we go along in today's scripture, because we're going to uh, spend a considerable amount of time in the book of Revelation today, because that's where we're coming to. And it's quite possible that we're we're just days ahead of that unfolding. And we're going to lay a case today for why we believe that is and, uh, and, and why uh, we as the church need to prepare for that, to understand that we're engaged in this conflict, and to understand that what we are fighting 
is literally the the ancient principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And it is now more incumbent upon us than ever before to understand that the great holy apostles and prophets warned us of these days that we find ourselves living in right now. And we need to begin to to grow up, if you will, all of us, in the things that God has revealed and set in his word, which we now have in possession, uh, Genesis through Revelation. And it has come upon a final generation that is not considered the final generation until a certain amount of signs would be given to it. Jesus talked about signs being given. He said that <laughs> that the generation that would begin to witness the signs, that generation would not pass away until all these things would be fulfilled. And so he gave us an alert. He gave us a trigger to understand that when you begin to see certain aspects of the scripture unfolding before your eyes, let it be a signal to that generation that the time is at hand and that the days are just ahead. One of the most major signs that we've talked about over the last several weeks is the regathering of the nation of Israel out of World War II. Uh, after 2,000 years of being uh, exiled from the Holy Land, which occurred on AD 70, after they had rejected the Lord and the Lord ascended into heaven and the church was born, the temple would be destroyed in the year AD 70 by Titus. Vespasian's armies of Rome that came down into Jerusalem and over a three and a half year period raised the temple, literally tearing it to the ground and burning it uh, to the ground with fire. And the, the, the children of Israel from that point were scattered to the four corners of the world and Israel no longer possessed its land. The Jewish people were scattered to every place around the globe and they ended up being gone for over 2,000 years. But the prophets told us that one of the biggest signs that would be given to the final generation, one of the things that should alert that final generation that the, the prophetic clock had begun to accelerate and the fulfillment of things would culminate with the return of the Lord would first be, the most important sign would be that God would gather his people and place them in, in the Holy Land again which would seem like an impossibility. I mean, never in the history of the planet has it ever been heard that a nation that had once been a nation and a people would be destroyed and scattered to the four corners of the earth only to be regathered again after some 2,000 years. And that happened on May the 12th, 1948. Israel was proclaimed a nation as David Ben-Gurion stood up in Tel Aviv and proclaimed that at high noon, that that uh, that that Israel had now been regathered in fulfillment of the prophetic word, which had stated by the prophets that in the last days it would not be said, "Blessed be the name of the Lord God, which brought up Israel out of Egypt," but it would be said, "Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, which brought up the children of Israel from the four corners of the world where He had scattered them." And another sign that he said would be given would be that once they regathered in their land, that they would never be removed from it again, that it would never be removed from it again. And so we have seen subsequently six different wars, maybe seven different wars, depending on how you, how you, uh, you know, how you want to count them, that many times since that tiny little nation began, 
the 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 nations of the world tried to come against it the arab people uh you know jordan turkey syria saudi arabia egypt all of these nations have tried to uh to push israel out of her land and every time they did her she expanded her borders she she yes. got bigger and got more yes. you know prosperous culminating in 1967 when uh when there was a six day war wherein Jerusalem was recaptured. Up until that point, she had regathered and become a nation, but Tel Aviv was her capital. But in 1967, I believe it was June the 6th, somewhere in there, in June of 1967, um, she regathered uh, herself into the city of Jerusalem. And it was, it was, it was there that Jerusalem was recaptured. And, and for the first time in 2000 years, uh, the, the the Jewish person was allowed to come to the Temple Mount. And there's a really cool story of the chief rabbi of Israel at that time. Uh, I believe his uh, his name was uh, Shlomo Gorin. I think that was his name. He he takes out the shofar and he he blows the trumpet in Zion for the first time. And hardened Israeli soldiers who had already endured several wars that threatened their very existence began to weep and cry. Many of them weren't even believers in God. But when that happened, it, it changed their life radically as as the presence of the Lord came as prophecy was further along uh, being fulfilled. And so we have witnessed these events and many others, probably even one of the greatest events that just happened a couple of years ago, really, on May the 12th, I believe, is coming up on the second anniversary of it, uh, in 2018, uh, the United States, the most powerful military and, and, and economic political power on the face of the planet, uh, moved its capital or its embassy from the, from Tel Aviv to the, to the capital city of Jerusalem and proclaimed that Jerusalem was the eternal capital of Israel. And it's quite possible that at that moment, because it was the dominant and is the dominant world power by the fact that the United States did this um, and Israel has now recaptured all of Jerusalem and has, has proclaimed it as the central capital of the nation, that we have witnessed what Jesus began to talk about, that Jerusalem would be trodden underfoot of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles was fulfilled. I believe that quite conceivably happened two years ago coming up this May when the United States moved its own embassy to Jerusalem and began to proclaim that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. So all these and so many other things were indications right. and, and are indications to us that it is quite conceivable based on what the scripture seems to be revealing as signposts and markers that we would be, uh, that that final generation would witness uh, the regathering of Israel, that it, it is that generation that will not pass away until the second coming of the Lord. Now, when that day is, we don't know, because no man knows the day or the hour, but we do know the general season. We do know, yes. you know, the general time frame that we're supposed to be expecting and and looking up for our redemption is drawing nigh. And so we were talking about this wrestling, this fighting, this contention that the Apostle Paul revealed to us would, would endure unto the second coming of the Lord. 
And so we want to go on now and, and accelerate a little bit and bring some things up into our time. Because many people are wondering what is going to happen as we go forward, as the entire world is yet under lockdown, as for the most part, and we're dealing with this global pandemic. And, and is it to be found in scripture? I believe that it is. And I think by the grace and the help and the assistance of Almighty God today, by the Spirit of God, for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be able to see it in what we're going to look at today. So one of the things that was that happened in the early church was that John was given the book of Revelation. He, uh, he was on the isle that is called Patmos, Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. You can read it there. And while he was on this island, he was banished there by the emperor Domitian somewhere around the year 95 A.D. And while he was on that island, he says, I was, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And, and suddenly the Lord appeared to him and, and he revealed to him what we call the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. In that, he began to lay out the, the history of, of prophetic events that would lead up and culminate with the return of the Lord. And, and that is what this battle is all about. Because it appears what we're being told in Scripture is that the the last two thousand well really since the beginning of Adam, but you know we're going to focus on the last two thousand years. The battle has all been about uh, you know the spreading of the gospel, the resistance to the spreading of the gospel, but culminating in the final time uh, with a generation that will see the, the 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 events of the Book of Revelation completely unfold in its time. Now. There's something interesting that we need to take a look at. And we're going to begin in Revelation chapter 12. Can you guys open your Bibles there? And I encourage you that are listening to uh, to open your Bibles and, and follow along. And, and we pray that today's, uh, today's uh, podcast will be a blessing to you. It's been quite a week and, and we've come to this. And we're going to dig into these things going forward uh, as we begin next week on Monday. Uh, today's our last broadcast until Monday. Uh, but we will pick it up on Monday, Lord willing, as we begin to now dig into the prophetic scriptures. And we believe God is going to give us light and, and, and encourage us, prepare us and, and heighten our expectation as we go through these scriptures that we can pretty much with a certainty say to ourselves, Jesus indeed is soon to return. So are you there in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17? Yeah. Let's yeah. take a look at this. And uh, Brother Jeremy, would you read that verse 17? Yes. Uh, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what was revealed here uh, in, chapter, in chapter 12, verse 17 of the book of Revelation, is the dragon is angry with the woman. And he goes to make war. Remember, we we're talking about what Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is war. He goes to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What we need to understand, we picked it up here at, at verse 17, is that what we are being told here is the dragon is now on the planet Earth. 
in order to understand right. what gets what gets him to this point, we need to reflect on what is being revealed to us. In Revelation chapter 12, John is given a vision, an incredibly great and symbolic vision. He sees uh, a woman appear in heaven. She's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet. She has 12 stars around her head, and she's pregnant, and she's getting ready to give birth to a child. And, and then what he sees in verse 3 of chapter 12 is the dragon appears. And he begins to to uh, uh, have an attempt, if you will, to, to to harm this child. And and much of what you'll read from Revelation 12 up until verse five is very very symbolic. And 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 what John is revealing in the mysterious symbolism of the Book of Revelation is exactly uh, the unfolding plan of salvation and how God would bring it about. He's taken back, if you will, and shown the gospel, but in a very, very symbolic way. And there's reasons why he has seen, he has shown it that way. The woman is the nation of Israel. The 12 stars are the, are the 12 tribes, right, of, of Israel. That's what they represent. She's clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet. And, and now she's pregnant in verse 12. She's pregnant, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 2. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, verse 2? Yes. Yes. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So she's, she's pregnant. And what's being re- re- revealed is she's, she's, being, she's bringing something forth. One of the reasons that, that, that the Lord revealed it this way to John is because he wanted all of us who would begin to unlock these scriptures in the last days by the grace of the Holy Spirit who teaches us about the Lord, that that this pregnancy was not a pregnancy that originated in earth. This is a pregnancy revealed to him as a woman, uh, a great wonder in heaven. It, it's, right. it's symbolically being revealed in heaven because the origin of the child is not the earth. The origin of the child is the son of the living God who comes from heaven. And that's why he wants us to understand this. This is why he paints this picture of a, of a wonder in heaven. That's where it originates. What we see and what would transpire in the gospel uh, has its origin in heaven itself. Now, he sees her uh, pregnant and travailing and getting ready to give birth to this, this, this child that she's carrying. And then verse 3, what happens, Brother Jeremy? It says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Yes, and so here we see the first manifestation of the dragon mentioned in heaven, and we'll get into what this symbolism is in a little bit, but how he sees him, is seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon his head. And then we're told in verse 4 that his tail draws a third part of the heavens and casts them to the earth. And the dragon stands before the woman now. We're in the earth, right? And she's ready to be delivered. And he wants to destroy the child as soon as it's born. Can you read that in verse 4, Brother Yes. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven 
and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Yeah, so what we learn from this is that the stars of heaven is a reference to the demonic angelic forces that are under the control of the dragon. We don't have time to get into all that and what put them in that position. We've talked about it and covered it in the previous podcast. You guys can go back and listen to it. The point that we're, we're drawing here is that John is witnessing the unfolding of the gospel as it's being presented to him. And the reason that he's seeing this in, in chapter 12 is what we're going to get in today in chapter 13, which is where I think we are right now. But he has to see it like this first in order for him to understand and reveal to us how it will be played out in the end, which is our day, I believe, and what will happen. Now, look, this is exactly what happened. What he's symbolically uh, being shown here, the pictures that he is being given here, is 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 what we're told here in verse 4, where it says at the, at the middle of verse 4, it says that the dragon is standing before the woman, chapter 12, verse 4. And this woman is now ready to be delivered of this child, and his intention is to devour her child as soon as the child is born. Now, what we see there is is exactly what happened when Jesus was born. When he was born, if you remember, uh, the wise men had come into Jerusalem some 18 months after he was born, somewhere in there, but he was already born and 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 the attempt was being made by demonic forces to destroy the Christ child. That's exactly what happened. When Herod found out where he was to be born, and when Herod found out uh, that, that, that the Messiah had been born, Herod sent soldiers to kill all the children. You remember the story, right? To kill all the children that were two years old and under. This was an attempt, and John is seeing it as the dragon, trying to devour the child as soon as it's born. He manifested that will through King Herod. King Herod sent his forces and tried to destroy the Christ child. But God had warned uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, Joseph in a dream, and Joseph took Mary and the child, and they departed because they were warned by the angels that that's exactly what he would try to do to him. So then John, in verse 5, says she actually brings him forth, and then he describes who he is, and what would be his destiny. Can you read that verse 5, Brother Jeremy? And and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So there in verse 5 he reveals, uh, he doesn't cover all the history of the Lord, but he basically tells us he survived, and and the intention of the Lord was exactly what he attained, which is that he he is the ruler of all nations. But before he rules all the nations, we're told that the child is caught up unto God to his throne. And that is where Jesus is right now. He's on the right hand right. of the Father. He is seated in heaven, right? Now, we'll fast yes. forward through, through verse 6 because we don't have time to get into verse 6, but I want to draw your attention to the result. Now, listen, the result of what's about to be revealed here of that child or the who we know, the man-child, the Lord Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He gets to heaven. He's caught up to heaven. He's in the, he's in the throne of heaven. We know he's at the right hand of the Father. And now something begins in verse 7. Can you read that? And there was war in heaven. 
Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. So check that out. What's being revealed and what's interesting is the child or the Lord Jesus, as it's symbolically being revealed here, we get an insight from the Lord uh, speaking through John as he's writing the book of Revelation, what has transpired and what transpired as a result of Jesus being seated at the right hand of the Father. It triggered something. Verse right. 7, right? It triggered a war in heaven. Remember what Paul said and what we've been talking about. We are not wrestling or not in a fight against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness, where in heavenly places or high places. Once the child seats at the right hand of the father on the throne, now it activates a war. What's interesting about that is it now gives us an insight as to maybe the devil, and I know he did, the dragon had an inkling that this child was going to be the end of him. Remember, he understands the prophecies. They were given to him. God, the Father himself, prophesied over the devil back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after he, did, right. he took control of Adam and Eve, remember? And he prophesied and said, said to her that, that, that a child was going to be born, her seed uh, would be born and that he would destroy or take away his authority. And so that is why we are having... Yeah, he said, I will, I will put enmity between her seed and your seed, and you shall bruise, or he shall bruise your head, and he will bruise your heel. Yeah, you will or bruise... He, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Genesis 3.15. So that, that word head there in Genesis 3.15, the prophecy right from the beginning, in the garden, right? So this is right. some kind of, I mean, God already had it mapped out, right? And so the devil heard in way back in the garden the prophecy of, of God the Father that there's coming a seed of the woman. And she, which we now know is the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that the seed that shall come forth of the woman is going to destroy your head. He's going to take away your authority. Everything that you yeah. possess will strip from you. That's literally what the word head means, right? Your might, your authority your dominion. And so when he's caught up, uh, when she's giving birth to the child, now we get an insight as the Lord revealed it symbolically to John of why the, the, the dragon wants to devour the child. He knows that this child is going to strip him ultimately of his authority and destroy his power or his head. And so then we went on to talk about how he's caught up into God's throne and, and verse 7 indicates once he got there, because many people wonder, like, what happened? You know, what's been going on, right? I mean, Jesus ascends from the Mount of Olives in the book of Acts, right? And and the angels say, what are you standing here looking up into heaven? He's going to come back, you know, but you got work to do, right, until then, right? So, but, <laughs> right. but so we, we want to know, like, well, what happened? Though? I mean, if the curious would ask the question, okay, so he goes up, but now what? He's just kicking back or what, you know? No. He he was there was there was an incredible uh, succeed, uh, succession of events happening in the heavenlies and into the very throne itself where Jesus is seated. Once he takes his position, remember what he said. We talked about this two days ago. What he told the disciples in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through twenty. He says, "All power has been given unto me 
in heaven and in earth. And then he tells the disciples, remember, now go and teach all nations uh, 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 and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. That's what Jesus tells them. All power has been given to me. So in Revelation 12, what we're witnessing here, praise you, Lord, is that when he was caught up into the throne and seated, it was it was the activator and the beginning of the enforcement of the authority that now rests only and exclusively in the hand of the son of the living God. And that triggered the war that empowered Michael, if you will, legally to begin to uh, engage in a series of spiritually intense angelic warfare, which has lasted for almost 2000 years. It's a series of war that began. It's as if he is systematically begun, had begun back when Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. As soon as that was given, Michael is activated in verse 17, I mean in verse 7, and there's war. And, and Michael and his angels begin to fight in verse 7 with the dragon, and the dragon fights with his angels. You know, brothers, that's an incredible thing because many times we'll read by things like that and not you know, camp there and really think about the intensity of this warfare. You know, I know that, that, you know, it's an interdimensional warfare because we know there's thrones, principalities, powers, rulers, dominions, seen and unseen, incredible uh, structure, governments, an entire system of culture, if you will, that exists beyond the pale, beyond the beyond the the natural realm which humanity finds itself dwelling in into the into the realm of multidimensionalism all the places that god has made and there has invested authority in in those in those regions that exist beyond the sight of men but here we have a an indication here of what happened when jesus sat at the right hand of the Father, it activates Michael to begin to exercise the authority and the rule that is given to the Son of the living God to kick the devil out of heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> that's what's being revealed here. Because look at what happened. It's an intense fight. It's a war. And in verse 8, can you read that, Brother uh, Jeremy? Yes. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. So that word place means a place of occupation. So what we're being told here, this war, and if we look up the words here, and, and I'm not going to go break them all down, but you guys can do it on your own time, those of you listening uh, uh, as well. It, it, it means, it doesn't mean one war. In other words, it wasn't like just one big battle and it was over. It's a series of ongoing battles, and that's what's been happening over the last 2,000 years, is there's a series of ongoing battles that has transpired since Christ arose and is seated uh, at the throne of God himself on his right hand. It activated the war because Jesus acquired all power in heaven and earth, and once he sat down on the right hand of the Father, which is very symbolic of 
of the exercising of judgment or judicial authority, he dispatches Michael in the power of that authority, which was won at Calvary and sealed by the resurrection of the dead. It empowered Jesus uh, to, to exercise judicial and legal authority over all the domain of creation. And his edict is, kick that old dragon out of here. His days are numbered. And it's been a succession of war, of powerful confrontation. And, and, and what it's implying here in verse 8 is that he could not prevail. His strength has been being taken from him throughout the ages, over the last 2,000 years, until what's being revealed here, John says, there was no place found for him anymore in heaven. And in verse 9, it says that the great dragon was cast out. And he identifies who he is. That old serpent called the devil. He okay. deceives the whole world. And where he will find himself ultimately, which triggers an end-time generation to understand once this continued um, what's the word? It's almost like, understand, like if you had climbed to a top of the ladder of a ladder and then when you're ready to climb back down, you have to go step by step by step by step until you hit the ground. Right. That's that's the best, you know, kind of picture I can give you of what seems to be being said here. The steps of the ladder are like with each successive step is a different dimension, a different place of interdimensional reality that has governments, thrones, rulers, so forth and so on. Once the domain of the dragon himself, he controlled the entirety of, of creation as we know it, in that he was once the supreme ruler of it, and, and he, he infected it and caused it all to be contaminated by the original sin, which he himself perpetrated. Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning and the progenitor of lies. And, and that unleashed everything that we've been talking about the last few weeks, you know, that sin, death, hell, destruction, right? Jesus right. overcame that and stripped it. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, dispatches Michael, the archangel, and says, now go and get him out of every single place that I shed my blood. Because the Bible talks about him when he led captivity captive, right? He sprinkled Every dimension, every throne, every dominion, every vessel, if you will, all along the way up into heaven itself. And so it is now the exclusive domain and the judicial and kingly authority solely rests in the son of the living God. And so now he's what we're seeing here and what John is describing is, is the systematic removal of the dragon from every single one of those dimensional realities. And when it's done, he will find himself finally brought down to the final dimension where all things originated to begin with, the original rebellion, that is. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels are cast out with him. Now listen, when this occurs in verse 10, what do they say, Brother Jeremy? Can you read that? Yes. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuseth them before our God day and night. So listen to what he's saying there. We've described the war. We've described how now he's being cast down 
and limited in where he can traverse, where he can travel. But what's interesting there in verse 10 is what's said is that now salvation has come. The completion <laughs> oh my God, we have so much to learn, don't we? The com- <laughs> the completion <laughs> of salvation, right? Now has come salvation. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean now has come salvation? Yes. Brother, wasn't it you, Brother Fernando, a couple of days ago who quoted, uh, you know, uh, that, that we don't see all these things yet, but we see Jesus, right? Uh, right. What's that, what's that scripture? I can't even quote it right now. You remember? Um, I think it's in Hebrews two. See if you can, can find that real quick. Yeah. yeah, please do, because it's it's an important thing to throw in right here. Because of what it says, it says now has come salvation. So salvation needs to be understood in a in a different way than we've understood. It says, it's, yeah, it says Hebrews two eight says, "Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet." That is the victory that He won, right? The the yes the authority that's been given to him uh, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father. For in that he put all in subjection under him, right? That's his prize. We're paying the prize. He left nothing that is not put under him. So all things will be put under him, right? That's, 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 that's what's going to happen. But there's a, there's a key uh, sentence here. It says, but now... We see not yet all things put under him. Yeah. So it is an ongoing war, but it is a sure yeah. victory. But like you said, yeah. it's, it's the, the visual you put forth, that in the heavenlies, he is systematically uh, cornering, yeah. uh, cornering the enemy, really out of this the dimension of the heavenlies, and ultimately he's going to be cast down into the earth. So he is completely cornering, systematically winning back these dominions and powers in high places where he gave uh, rulership to these angels before they rebelled with the devil. He gave them this rulership and this authority and responsibility, right? Yes. But now he's taking that back in the heavenlies, and ultimately he's cornering these powers of darkness to manifest themselves now. In the earth, that's what we see in the book of Revelation. We see these powers right. of darkness now all of a sudden just uh, uh, cornered into this reality, this material yes. world, right? And that's a scary thing in itself to think about, but uh, that's what's happening. That's why we're seeing all the movements that are taking place uh, with, with the passing of laws, political movements, the pandemic. This is where it's all heading to. But you put the visual so beautifully so the people can really understand what we're up against. And we are enlisted in this war. And we yes. have to understand this. We have to understand that this is what's taking place. So going back to Hebrews 8, uh, 2, 8, uh, yes, he won the victory. Authority has been given to him. But we are in a war. And that war got very hot the moment Jesus ascended back to the father it it, it it took it to a whole new different level so yeah. yes we are in an ongoing war he is going to win um and ultimately the devil is going to be restricted to time right yeah the devil knows that he has but a short time right that's right and that's where we're headed uh, right now thanks for reading that uh, also, Revelation 12, go ahead 
there's also Ephesians one thirteen and 14. I don't know if that fits in there, Brother Marty, concerning now has salvation come, because it says, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom yeah. also after that you believe you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment, uh, right, of our inheritance until, until the redemption of the purchased possession and the, unto the praise of his glory. And that's what that's a good scripture too. And that's what's been going on over the last two thousand years. Is the is the purchase possession has been systematically being redeemed. In other words, the yes. the, the right to take possession of it is a legal right. And we need to understand that because God is a God of covenant. God is a God of laws and ordinances and statutes. It is how he, he governs. He, he, he puts things into structure, and they must be within the parameters of the laws and the edicts that issue forth from the Creator, from the Father. When those laws were broken, it unleashed something. It unleashed decay, death, destruction. But the one who originated the breaking of the law became the possessor of an exclusive authority. And then that authority was also relinquished to him that was given to the original man on the earth. When Adam uh, broke the law of God and chose to follow the edict of another creature, which we know was the serpent in the tree, that creature also took possession of the dominion that was intended for humanity or the first Adam. And so when Jesus came, he, he legally purchased it with his blood. Hallelujah. He stripped him of his power, and he took it from him. And, and nobody knew that that had really happened until the earth began to quake on the third day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, 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 and understand this. It, it was very symbolic. It is what the devil was actually saying, if you have eyes to see, when they put a seal around the tomb. Remember that seal was, a, was the signet ring of the Roman Empire. It was a legal seal. In other words, they put the stone across the tomb. They put a chain across it. They had 100 soldiers there, and the chain was held together by this wax seal. And if that seal was broken, it was the breaking of Roman law, and it, was, it would mean death to the soldiers or whoever broke it, right? It was very symbolic in the natural of what was being said by the devil. I have the legal authority here, and, and, and no one else can take control of this. But when Jesus paid the price on Calvary, it broke the legal authority of the devil to have a hold over all creation, including this planet. And on the third day, God sent the angel under the authority that was now invested in him by the resurrection of the Son of the living God, and he broke the seal. <laughs> and yes, said, this, yes. is a, this is an, an illegal action. This is not a legal action by the Roman Empire who are empowered by the dragon, and he broke it, and nobody could do anything about it because Jesus now said, I have all power, I have all authority in heaven and in the earth. My God, hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. So what, what we see here now, let, I want to just point something out really interesting in verse 10, and that is that the war, how the war is described. And what Brother Fernando just read, too, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. Because 
we have we have now seen that over the last 2000 years we've been given an insight into what's been going on and and as as we near the conclusion of it the salvation is come the strength is come in verse 10 and the kingdom of god and who else the power or the authority of his christ why Hallelujah. because the, the accuser oh, listen the accuser is of our brothers is cast down, yeah. which accused them before our God day, day and night. Yeah. Now, listen, yeah. Now listen to this, because because it's very powerful. We are told in in the book of Hebrews that once Jesus ascended into heaven, can someone turn over there real quick? Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty five. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, we're given a really cool insight here. Because of how the devil is identified, he's identified as the accuser. Chapter 7, verse 25? Yeah, 25. Okay. And it says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever lives to make intercession for the whole of God's children. So it's interesting when we're told here that salvation has now come, as John is seeing the unfolding uh, plan, and and the devil is now cast out of these dimensional, interdimensional places, these governments, these rules, these all of it being taken back. Now he says salvation has come, the strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, the authority of his Christ. Well, one of the things I, uh, Brother Jeremiah just read was was that he ever lives to intercede. Up until that time, the authority and the access that the devil had into the very throne room of God was spent for an eternity, if you will, bringing accusation, bringing right. condemnation. But now right. Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, he stands in his power and authority, and he intercedes, and the result of that intercession removes the accuser, because he can no longer accuse, because the price has been paid. Can somebody say amen? My goodness. Amen. So, <laughs> the reason he's cast out is because we have a high priest that's praying for us. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Right, so <laughs> so Hallelujah. The, accu- the accuser of the brethren is cast down which accuses them night and day. And then it talks about they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto death. And now look, it's not just heaven, but it's the heavens. Check this out. Verse 12. So now rejoice heavens, plural, and you that dwell in them. That's a whole other thing, but we've been talking about it, right? Who are they that dwell in the heavens? All right. Mm-hmm. But then he, But then he says this. And this is coming down to our time now. This is where we are. He says, therefore rejoice ye heavens, you that dwell in them. It's been cleaned up. Hallelujah. But, he says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, because the devil has now come down to you having great wrath, because he knows what, like Brother Fernando was saying, he knows that he has but a short time so now he's confined into a into a limited time it is not something that he was even aware of 
he has to actually like like have a revelation of it. Can you read verse thirteen of, of Revelation twelve? He has a revelation yes. of it. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. So he sees that he's cast down and his immediate attention is turned towards Israel and he begins to try to persecute her. But my point in verse 13 is he gets a revelation of where he actually is. He begins to understand that he's now been confined to a ticking clock of prophecy and he sees it and he realizes I have no more access to the heavens. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I do, but I do have an influence now. And and the only and it's almost as if he's like saying, the only option I have left now is to destroy the prophetic word of God that is yet to be fulfilled. Because if I can do that, then I still got an angle here. That's kind of what he's saying. So he begins to direct his attention to the woman. And, and and we won't go into all that because it then goes into the to the to the middle of the tribulation period, which is the three and a half years. But what we do want to 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 focus on now is is verse 17. Can you read that? He's now in the earth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now this distinction needs... Yeah, go ahead. And think about it. What happened in the beginning with Adam and Eve, it's replaying itself. Yeah. But this time he has a, a, a larger platform, not just two people. It's the whole world, right? And he is <laughs> still right. going after the woman, right? He's still going after the woman. The, the Holy yes. Spirit gives us a little insight in regards to this, of of what will take place at the end. It's already happened at the beginning. The Holy Spirit in verse 9 says this, And the great dragon which was cast out, that old serpent. Right. The Holy Spirit is telling us, hey, pay attention. Because just as he showed up in the garden, right, through the serpent, he's going to show up again at the end of time. He's going to look to inhabit something. Right, yes. uh, and that, and, and and so forth and so on. But he he again targets the woman. In this case, the woman. I think we're going to get into who the woman is. Uh, but yes. I, I want I want the listener to pay close attention. He doesn't change his tactics. No, he remains he the same, the same Satan. Okay, yes. this time he just has a larger platform to 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 uh, to spit out his lies. And he's going to yes. to try to deceive the whole world just wanted to bring that out brother so this is yeah it's good and so where we that's really good so where we are now is where i believe we are now i think that he has been he has come down and let me let me point some things out to you i, I was listening to a to a uh who was it? i think it might have been uh i don't remember who it was i think it was dr J.R. church and brother gary stearman years ago and they began to talk about the increase of UFO phenomenon, UFOs, unidentified flying objects, this, you know, the whole ET thing, the alien thing. And they were talking about, and this was back in the mid '90s, and and they were speculating, and it really caught my eye because uh, of what I'm about to tell you. They said, and I, and and I tend to agree with it. They talked about the heightened UFO um, 
activity that first began to coincide with the appearance of of Israel as a nation again. One of the most famous uh, UFO incidents in the history of UFO incidents is the Roswell incident, where where it was claimed that these 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 ships crashed in the middle of the desert, and apparently the United States government and the army went and got them. And apparently there was some, there are witnesses, and we ain't got time to get into all of it, but uh, the, that, that say that there were bodies recovered that were not earthly bodies, and the, and the machines that they recovered, the UFOs they recovered, uh, are not of this world. The, the substance, the material, those of you who are familiar with this know about, uh, you know, uh, Colonel or Lieutenant or Captain, I think his name was Jesse Marcel, uh, who whose son in the late 90s, after his father had passed away, his son was now older in his 70s or something, he talked about the night that his father came home with a shoebox full of remnants of, of, of just some little things he had gathered and hid, brought it home and woke his son up in the middle of the night and his mom and sat them down at the kitchen table and then took some stuff out of this box, he says, and showed them uh, some of the metal, for lack of a better word, that, that came off these ships, and he was able to crush it up, and it would automatically go back into its original shape. And he talked about writings and hieroglyphs that was on this craft. And so so it began, that, and there are those in, in this community that talk about it was from that that we, that we got the whole, you know, base out there in Nevada, right? You know, Area 51, Groom Lake, S4, all this stuff, the underground secret shadow government that's making all this high technology, quite possibly reverse engineered things. All these kinds of things seem to be coinciding coming out of World War II with the reestablishment of Israel. And so when they talk about, and they and then they went down this whole trip about, you know, all these different UFOs, Project Blue Book, all this stuff. And then coming into the mid-90s, the increase of UFO activity and, and why they see these crafts seem to fly so weird. Even in our time, those of you who are familiar with what I'm talking about, and I, I'm going somewhere with this, listen, what we have seen just recently in, in 2017, 2018, is even the United States Defense Department has recently released uh, secret tops of what was once top secret military footage showing our Navy pilots tracking unidentified flying objects. And, and this is the government now beginning to legitimize this whole thing that we're talking about. Well, what's your point, Brother Martin? Well, what was discussed was how that when they're filmed or when they're seen or they're witnessed, how they, how they appear to like fly in these weird kind of ways that no one can fly, number one. And number two, it's as if they come in and out of reality. In other words, they'll see the light and boom, it'll be gone and then boom, it appears over here. And 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 what's what was hypothesized was that what what we conceivably could be witnessing is is this war that we're talking about today. And that that so violent and forceful is the activity getting around the planet that that the violent uh uh, you know, for lack of a better word, like a punch, right? You just hit this dude so hard. It's almost as if these crafts are piercing the veil and going back into the dimension just beyond the veil. And it seems to be that the activity is increasing. And that's why we're having so many people see these kinds of phenomenon, which could very well be a, a piercing of the veil. 
In other words, we're seeing such a violent war now as we've come down to the planet and the immediate zone around our planet that the dimensions are now being blurred and that this that what we are seeing is actually uh, the warfare that's now spilling over and being caught and glimpsed uh, by us in our time. Now, I know that's way out there. But it's that no, no. It, 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 so what we're calling you, what we're calling UFOs, could quite conceivably be what the Bible calls fallen angels, right? Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. and and remember this, okay? The Bible says, "As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be." Well, we have um, examples in Genesis chapter six of what the angels did, in that they left their first estate and came yes. down to the earth, took the daughters yes. of men, and out of that came uh, this, this hybrid union of, 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 of what, what they call the Nephilim between uh, uh, with half human and half angelic DNA, and we have the giants that, you know, and, and, and we have the story of David fighting uh, Goliath. That's what he was. Okay? That's right. It, it, his DNA was half angelic and half human. Um, so the yeah. Bible says that there was giants in in the land in the days of Noah, and after that, we see we see uh, these these giants even when Joshua goes into the Promised Land. So we have right. evidence of Earth being visited in the yes. Scripture yeah. by what we call extraterrestrial beings, yeah. but the Bible calls them fallen angels. So That's right. we could we. According to the book of Revelation, that's exactly what's going to take place. And that's why that's why people shy away from this book. They don't know what to make of it, right? It, it just, it, right. It just it, 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 it's beyond us, right? It is beyond us. It's, it's, it is. It's of another it's, yes, world, right? Yes, it's from another world. And yet, I think that that's kind of what I was trying to say, what you're saying, Brother Fernando, in, in verse 13, you know, of Revelation 12, 13, uh, that was just read, when it says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth it, it implies there that that's that the violence that is occurring in this war that we've been talking about since revelation 12 7 where michael engages in the war and begins to systematically clean out the multiple dimensions that exist and 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 make them the exclusive purveyor and property of jesus christ himself the son of the living god it's as if he's thrown out of a dimension and when we come into revelation 12 and it says the dragon sees he's cast to the earth it's almost like he got hit hard man and he suddenly realizes i'm completely out of wherever dimensions they are right and now yeah he he realizes i'm 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 in <laughs> i'm back where i started right in the garden yeah like he said i'm back at the earth and he realizes he no longer has access to those places. I think that's where we are right now. And I think that's why we're seeing such an increase, not only, brother, in, in the UFO activity that we were talking about, these trans-dimensional beings that appear to be, uh, you know, now confining themselves and emerging uh, into, the, into our dimension, into the realm of, of the earth, but also the, the incredible rise of the occult. And we're going to head there in a minute, but it's as if there's no, you know, the witches and the Satanists and, and, the, and the perversions and all the crazy stuff is going on now. 
that used to be what they call in the closet, right? You never would ever see that kind of stuff. But now it is so blatant that it's spilled over even into the cartoons of our children. I mean, there's nothing between us anymore. It's the, the rise of the worship of the devil in the pop music and the rap music and all the different things uh, that we're seeing now. It's no longer just, you know, crazy uh, sensual music anymore. Now it's tied directly to the occult and the worship of the devil. And we've seen a rise in it over the last two or three years, four years, greater than we've ever seen before. And, and, and I believe that that's part of why we're seeing it is because we have now seen the influence exclusively being exerted on the planet by the dragon and his angels. And that's why verse 12 says, that's why verse 12 says, rejoice heaven and you that dwell in them because he's not there no more. He's now here. Go ahead. No, not just fallen angel activity. You know, that's the dark side of it. You know, and a lot of people probably get scared. Wow. You know, this is this is coming. This is happening. Yes. That's what Paul's saying. We wrestle yes. not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in the high place and the rulers of darkness of this world. But we also see that there's, there's going to be activity of, of God's angels, the ones that didn't rebel, good angels. Right, they're going to be yeah. preaching the everlasting gospel in the heavens. We even see evidence of that when Jesus is born. We have angelic beings bringing forth yeah. the message of his birth. We have angels yeah. coming to Abraham right before right. the destruction of Sodom. So this is nothing yeah. new. This is this is in scripture. We we have yeah. uh, angelic activity, both good and bad, taking place when God is going to bring something into the earth, right? Whether whether good, like it was when Jesus was going to be born, or judgment, like in Sodom. Um, and we see angelic uh, activity in the days of Noah. Um, and so, and we see it in the book of Revelation. That's exactly what we see. So it, why here? Why here to planet Earth? Because something is being contested here, because something began yes. here. And, and, when, and, remember, and, and I don't want to get too ahead. Go ahead, brother. No, but remember, that's that's what, what we started out this week talking about uh, when we talked about the gospel in the first five verses of Genesis, right? The opening verse of the book of Genesis makes an unequivocal stated fact. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. And we talked about how the word beginning is that Hebrew word rashith, which means that the heaven and the earth were always the first fruit or holy and the exclusive property of God himself. And he makes that unequivocal statement, they're mine. And then when we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we see an earth in complete chaos under the judgment of God. And so that alerts us to something happening. The point is, is that the attention is always being drawn to the earth because it is the final frontier, if you will. It is the last stand of the wicked one. It is the place where Jesus right. will finally, ultimately, and he comes himself, right, in Revelation chapter 19. He comes himself and says, enough of this old fool. Enough of this dragon, this yeah. old serpent, right? Yeah. And, and he's going to bind him for a thousand years, that's what the scripture says, and cast him into the bottomless pit. My God. Marty. Yeah. And, and, and concerning the devil coming down, uh, chapter 18 just gives us a little glimpse, too, where it says that it's become the habitation of devils and the hold mm -hmm. of every foul spirit 
in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird, right? Which are types of yeah. demons, right? Yeah. But I I, I want to go back to what, what what we read the scripture that we've been reading from Matthew twenty eight. That's I mean that's just so powerful what Jesus said. All power is given yes. unto me in heaven and in earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now I'm I'm reading that totally different than what I was taught. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the power well, of that statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and because, you know, and, and yeah. he's, he, that's why he sends his disciples into the earth to the nations, to the pagan yeah. heathen nations of the world. And he was telling them, look, and that's what we're talking about in Psalm 82, right? There's some really good uh, old scholars out there. Uh, I'll have to tell you on Monday when we, I can't see it right now. I'm looking at my library. There's a great book Amen. Uh, that, Amen. that talks about it. Um, and I want to encourage the readers to go get it. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but we'll talk about it on Monday. Remind me on Monday to mention that book. But what I wanted to say was that was that that's exactly what you're talking about all power in heaven and earth has been given to the lord and then he sends his disciples right to go to the nations the pagan nations that have been influenced and taken over by demonic power he says now go take them back right because they belong to me and and that's right. exactly what we see so this is what we see at the end shall we keep going we've been going for an hour i, hope, I don't think we're boring anybody at least i hope we're not but i think we need to go <laughs> we need to go on okay because we finally just came to this point and, and I'll just briefly go over it and then we'll close, but, but we need to see this. Okay. Because, and maybe we'll pick it up from here uh, again and re re look at it on Monday. Uh, but uh, so, so now we have him confined. His influence is confined to the earth. And what he sets out to do in revelation 12, 17 is now, and he's really a bully. Think about it. He can't fight with Michael. He can't fight with those right. godly angels, right? So he starts picking on people. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what he does. In verse 17, he's so angry, he goes to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what we're being directed now by John is to focus on this. This is a twofold attack against two different groups, but really they're one, but they're two different groups. Those that have the commandments of God uh, are those that keep the Mosaic law. And you can look it up later when it talks about commandment. It's literally specifying a people group that still adheres to the Mosaic law. That's, that's the Jew. He goes to make war with the Jewish nation. And the second thing, which is very, very interesting, is he then goes to make war with those that have the testimony of jesus christ and we know from revelation chapter 19 verse 10 that the the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy and when you look up that word testimony in in the uh, in the greek there that's used in revelation 12 17 the word testimony literally literally means specifically the prophetic understanding or the prophetic fulfillment of scripture and we have to ask ourselves the question, which is where I believe we are right now. He says this. He says who he's going to begin as we co conclude these final years of human history to, to, to attack is Israel, those who have the commandments, and those specific people on the planet who the Spirit of God has given prophetic insight into. 
He's going to come after those who are looking for the coming of the Lord and who can identify him. Because those who understand the prophetic scriptures, those who know the prophecies of the word, they are going to be able to discern who he is and what he's doing. And so he is specifically going to attack them because they are the ones who can unmask him or call him out, if you will. And so he sets his energy to destroy those two people groups, Israel and the true church. And that brings us to this. Shall we go on? Yes. Let's do it. All right. That brings, yeah. that brings us to this. Now, after John sees all that and has so much revealed in the symbolism, he does this. He then begins to have unveiled before him and us how this is going to take place. Verse 1 says what, Brother Jeremy? Would you read that? Chapter 13, and, verse 1. Yes. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. All right, so let's stop right there. So what John then begins to alert our attention to, <clears throat> as he goes to make war with Israel and the church of Jesus Christ, then John begins to explain to us how that war is going to happen. And he does it very profoundly by revealing to us something. What we have here is a huge sign. It's a it's a huge signal to the believers at the end of time. It is to it was it's it's meant to signal that end time generation for what's about to be revealed here and unfolded here. It it's meant to reveal that the time has arrived and 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 so we will see here real quickly that we have reached this time and I'm going to show you something. First we need to understand where John identifies that he is standing. Brother Jeremy, can you turn over to Genesis 32, or Brother Jeremiah, whichever one, turn over to Genesis 32, uh, would you real quick? Genesis 32, let me know when you're there. Jeremiah, you got it? Yeah, let me get there. Okay. Genesis chapter 32. Now, what John is identifying here is that he is standing upon the sand. And that's an, that's that's a very interesting thing to me, right? Everything that is put in Scripture is put there for a reason. And we need to understand the symbolism of it. Because right what we're about to witness here is a separation begins to take place. And we'll get into that in a minute. Are you there yet, brother? Yeah, what verse? Verse uh, 12, I think it is. Okay. And it says, And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. So what we have in Genesis 32, 12 is the description of Abraham's seed, which is Israel and the church, as the sand. Right? Read that again, Brother Jeremiah. And thou said, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. As, as, as the, the sand of the as, sea. As the sand of the sea. So John is referencing this in in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. 
he uses biblical language. He uses what Gabriel called the scripture of truth in order to hide, if you will, profound insight from the wicked. But he's letting the church know where he is. There's two things that happen here. He stands on the sand. And and so the sand, comparing scripture with scripture, are the innumerable multitude of the church. The promised seed of Abraham uh, would give birth to a church, and it's described as the sand of the sea, right? That's what Jeremiah just read. So what John is revealing here now is that he's standing on the sand of the sea, but he sees what? What does he see? Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 13-1? And saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Okay, stop right there. Yeah, stop right there. So where do we see him? We see him standing on the sand. So John begins to identify himself with the true church. Because the sand represents the innumerable host of the promise given to Abraham. Your seed will be like the sand of the sea. Not the sea, but the sand of the sea. And here in Revelation 13.1, John is standing with the church. In other words, he's a representative, but he's witnessing uh, the innumerable host. He's standing with them, the sand of the sea. That's where he is. But he, he describes a, a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, later in the book of Revelation, the sea is revealed, the waters are revealed to be a multitude of tribes and tongues and nations. So in this sense, the sand and the sea are being separated. And what he's trying to communicate to us now is that as the devil begins to do what he's doing, and he's already well into it in our time, what's going to happen is the separation is going to take place, a real and distinct difference. You're going to have the church and you're going to have the world represented by the sea. But what what is interesting is John says this. He said, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Isn't that what he says, right? Chapter 13, yeah. verse 1. Yeah. I see a beast rising up out of the sea. Well, number one, let's think about what he's saying here because he's really saying the same thing that the Apostle Paul said. In 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 Second Thessalonians chapter two, in describing the the advent of the Antichrist, when he said <laughs> that that wicked one would be revealed, and his coming yes. is after the working of Satan, right, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So in 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 Second Thessalonians chapter two, you guys can read it later, verse one through seven, Paul reveals that the church. Uh, that loves the Lord will see the rise of the Antichrist, will see the rise of the beast system, so to speak. And that's what John is saying here. I saw it. And he's letting us know that the church, the true church, is still here. <laughs> to make some of you mad, but I don't care. He's proved me wrong. Uh, it, it, it's still here, and and it's going to see the rise of it. It's going to see it begin to emit out of the people. Now, remember, Brother Jeremy, I asked you to have that scripture in waiting for Ephesians uh, chapter 2, too? Yeah, I sure do. I have it here. All right. Now, understand this. If the sea, and it is, the, is the world, and the sand is the church made up of Israel and the church, the, 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 the two, right, Jew and Gentile becoming one, the church of God, the sand, 
the seed of Abraham, which Jeremiah just read us in Genesis chapter 32, verse 12, I think it was, John then turns our attention and says, what rises up out of the sea is an expression that is beginning to emerge from the people that aren't saved, from the, from the opposite of the church, right? They're, they're the people of the world. This is precisely what the Apostle Paul revealed is the working of the devil in the hearts of the children of disobedience. Would you read that scripture, Ephesians 2, verse 2? Yes. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There you go. So what is revealed there by Paul is that the, the spirit of the enemy is inside the, the, the disobedient children of the world here in mm. Revelation 13:1, represented by the sea. And that spirit works through the children of disobedience. And that's what John is describing here in that this beast system begins to work through and rise up out of the people of the world. That's what he's revealing. And, 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 and really what the Lord is revealing to us from the Apostle John is that also a distinction is being made now, a real demarcation, if you will. A separation is what John is talking about. Because you have John standing on the sand, but you see a system rising up out of the rest of the people of the world. A distinction is made between the sand and the sea, and the beast rises up from the sea. And John says, representing the whole of the church, I see it happening. Ah, my goodness. Are you following me? <laughs> So, yeah, he makes that same, he clarifies that distinction in Revelation twelve twelve when uh, it says woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Yes, for the yes. devil is come down unto you. So yeah, he, there is a distinction, and and the sea and the sand represent inhabitants or two classes of inhabitants that are in the earth. That's correct. Now, so what we are being told here, John says, is I saw it because he's embodying all of us, really, at this point. He identifies himself with the church and he's the spokesperson. He's literally saying, I see it happening. I saw it coming up out of the sea. This is symbolic language. It's not for the uninitiated, so to speak. It's for the child of God who knows scripture to compare scripture with scripture. Uh, if you If you don't read your Bible, if you don't pray, you know, you're going to have a hard time. But if you do, he'll show you some things. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, I saw it. And that should be a signpost to the end time generation. The generation that begins to see the beast system rising up out of the people is the generation that is, is going to see the return of the Lord. It's an end time generation that will witness this. And I believe we're beginning to see it now. It is not understood by the sea or the world, and it's not going to be understood, brothers, by the Laodicean church either, right? I mean, the false church. Mm -hmm. o only they right. that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why he goes to make war with them, because he knows that that group of people is spiritually discerning, understanding the prophetic scriptures, and they are the only threat to him because they can proclaim this whole thing is coming down <laughs> and what's actually happening. Now, let's take a look real quick. Read the, read that verse again, Brother Jeremy, and we'll, we'll, we'll quickly yeah, cover it. Is that in Ephesians? Quick. 
the Ephesians no, chapter, chapter no chapter thirteen. Yes, verse two now or verse one. Verse let me just one. Let me say this. Okay. Let me say this. After nine eleven, we saw the spirit that began persecuting Christians and Jews uh, hit an all time high. Right, we saw the rise of of, of extreme Islam. Correct. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we saw the rise of extreme Islam that began to do uh, the uh, began to persecute uh, the Jews in the Middle East and and Christians as well. And we saw this uh, radical liberal agenda in our nation uh, trying to uh, persecute those who believe in God. Right. So right. we're seeing the the beginning stages of 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 this beast system that's on the rise right now. Now, if this doesn't fit with your timing of the rapture, the point is this. You know, we are seeing the rise of this system before our very own eyes. That one thing and, we can agree on, right? Yeah, and that's what and that's what John said, right? I saw it. I yes. see it happening. That's what he's saying. He's translated into the distant future. He saw this in 95 AD. But but he's been carried by the Spirit into the final generation. And so he's literally signaling us that that we are going to see. If we see it, is what he's saying, then we know we're that last generation. We know that that all these things that have been prophesied are about to accelerate and come to pass. And so what does he see? What comes up out of the sea? What comes up out of the people? Would you read it, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Yes, that's verse 2. Now read verse 1. What does the beast look like? Uh, the Okay, having seven heads. Having seven heads and horns. And, and upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his head, the name of blasphemy. Yes. Now, what is it that he witnesses? What he sees coming up out of the sea has seven heads, ten horns, ten crowns. Upon the heads are written the names of blasphemy. And the name, that word, that phrase, name of blasphemy, it's not names of blasphemy, it's name of blasphemy it literally means the authority uh, uh of, of this beast uh, is in the 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 blasphemy it's a vilification it's it's a speaking against almighty god but but also it means the power to hinder the power to hinder so all of that is in what what is written across the head but what are these heads and 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 what do they represent and 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 why is it rising up out of the sea well let's first of all let's understand that what he's talking about uh as far as the heads each one of these seven heads represent the the seven global empires that have existed since the days of the tower of babel Babel was the first head. It was there that Nimrod rose up and tried to unify the world and dominate it. Every one of the heads that rose up over historical time rose up but never stayed 
in power, they all diminished. The first one was Babel, and that was Nimrod. The second one was the Egyptian Empire with the wicked Pharaoh at the head. Uh, the, the, the third one is the Assyrian Empire, you know, Sennacherib. All of these guys are types of, of Antichrist. The fourth one is, uh, is, is the Babylonian Empire. The fifth one is the Medo-Persian Empire. The sixth one is the Grecian Empire, which is Alexander the Great, right? Another type of, of the Antichrist. And then the, the, the seventh one is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was what Daniel called uh, that exceedingly fierce beast, right? With iron teeth. There's never been anything like it, right? Uh, ever and, right. and there'll never be anything like it again. So it is these seven global empires throughout the history of men that has influenced all the tribes, all the nations, all the tongues represented by the sea. Each and every attempt by the enemy to dominate the world failed. But remember that the heads emerge out of the dragon. It has been a systematic attempt by him throughout human history to dominate the planet, but he's always been foiled. But it appears here that what's going to happen and what is happening now is that all seven of them are going to collectively come together and become one beast system. They will have within wow. them, understand, understand this, that from the time of Babel all the way through Rome, all the empires, again, I emphasize, have tried and failed to rule the world. What is different here is what John sees, right? He sees a humanity, if you will, which is the sea, the whole of humanity clamoring to be ruled because it rises up out of them. They want wow. to be ruled. And it rises out of them collectively, out of their hearts, out of their minds. But understand what rises, uh, it, it's really not just one single head or one single empire, but it is truly the ancient wicked heads of all the global empires rising as one unit together. Incredible. That's what he sees. Wow. And 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 then verse two, what brother Jeremy just read, read it again, verse two, brother, because it manifests itself. Wait, it manifests itself in three different ways. Now go ahead. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. What's interesting about this is what we were just pointing out, the seven global empires that have existed throughout biblical history are now rising up collectively out of the world's hearts and minds. It is why we have begun to see, and rapidly so over the last 20 or 30 years, this whole move toward a global society, a push toward, and really it's been coming since Babel, but I mean, it's really rearing its head. And, and as the generations have passed from the great generation of World War II to now, to the, to the collective children of the West, right, which are all about, you know, climate change and socialism and all that kind of stuff, man, what we are witnessing is the sea collectively clamoring and desiring for this, this entity which is an empowered and energized by that old dragon, that, that serpent in the garden, and they don't even know it. 
That's what's controlling them. That's why I had you read that scripture, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's giving expression to what it wants only now through the entirety of the sea, or that is the entirety of collective humanity. And, and, and there's three components with how he, he, he would begin to manifest. He, and, and, and it's drawn in, in what Brother Jeremy just read. It's the beast, and, and what John says he looks like is a leopard. He has feet like a bear, and he has a mouth like a lion. Well, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, you're going to understand that each one of these characteristics are one of those uh, one of the uh, of the global empires that we were just describing, those seven. The leopard was another uh, description that was given to the prophet Daniel, and that leopard uh, was Alexander the Great. The leopard was the Greek Empire. But remember this, that <clears throat> so we have to ask ourselves, what was the chief component of the leopard? What was the chief component of the Greek Empire? It, what was it marked by, in other words? It war. was marked by war. quickness. War, that's right. Quickness and war. The ability to make war, the ability to exercise uh, military power at speed. And so yeah. I think right. what he was revealing here is a is a dominant military technology, if you will, would be so advanced in the future that it could move at speed like we see today, but it would have within it the energized spirit of the Prince of Greece, right? So the first thing that he said that we would begin to see emerge is this, <clears throat> this global military system. And we already see that. We ain't got time to get into all that. We'll be here another two hours. It's, so, it's so true. The, it's true, bro. Go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no. I just wanted to bring this thought out. Uh, I was studying the other day that even the uh, our uh, our military in the United States studies the tactics of uh, Alexander Alexander. the Great to this very day. His great exploits in war. They they are trying to figure out how he won his wars when he was completely outnumbered. What they don't understand is that he was being aided by a powerful prince of darkness. But they 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 are in awe of the way he, he, he conquered the known, the known world of his day, right? Or yeah. tried to. Um, so, yeah, and it's, and it's quite amazing that the Holy Spirit would put the component of the leopard first, right? Because in, yeah. in, in the order that Daniel saw, he saw each beast individually, but here we see them uh, together, right? They're, they're uh, patched, combined. Unified. Yeah, they're patched together. It's, it's going along with what you're saying, but he chose to put, the leopard as the first component to describe this composite beast uh, uh, that that has a component of, of of the beast that Daniel saw in his visions. Yes. Um, yes. W- and it goes along with what uh, how Revelation 12 ends, right? That the dragon make went went out to make war against yes. the woman, right. right? So it's powerful, yes. powerful the way the it must be done that way. Right. The leopard it, it must come in that order because the devil has but a short time. I think that's real powerful, but yeah. Well, and also consider this because of what he reveals next. Yeah, good point. Which is the feet of a bear, right? And and the bear is is the symbolic representation of the Medo-Persian Empire. And what the Medo-Persian Empire was most noted for was its ability to make laws, its political making power. 
the laws of the Medes and the Persians. Do you remember when Daniel went and prayed three times on purpose and let everybody see him pray? And he broke the law. The king loved him so much that he wanted to spare him, but he couldn't because it was an irrevocable law. It was known as the law of the Medes and Persians. So the second component that begins to emerge is a global political power to make legislative power to pass laws. And so Mm. first first he sees a leopard, second he sees a political making power. And then the third thing that he sees is the mouth of a lion. That mouth of a lion uh, is Babylon, exactly. That's the yes. Babylonian Empire. And what it was what it was known for most of all was was its ancient spiritual evil, right? The ecumenical nature of the worship of all gods. And that's yes. basically the third component is a spiritual component that casts a large umbrella, if you will, and and gathers all gods, all religions, you know, whatever you want to call them, man, every sort of faith, every sort of theology, whatever, he brings it all under one umbrella. And so what we see is, is, is three of the components of the seven heads manifested as a leper, bear, and lion. Why do we have the leper first, that military force? Because you can pass all the laws you want, right, the feet of the bear, but if you don't have any military power to enforce it, it doesn't make a hill of beans, right? <laughs> so right, right. The, the strategy of the devil was to create a framework of military surveillance state, if you will, a, a military police force. That's what's being revealed. He says when that framework is in place, it will then be the ability of that framework to enforce the law that is going to be passed and imposed upon the planet. And that's what we see happening. And then out of that then comes the final one, which will be worship of the whole system and of the one that's coming. Mm. Now listen, now listen. It's fully given to the dragon now, right? That's why he goes on. He says, it is, it, 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 the dragon is now in control of the planet. That's what we see happening right now. And what he does is he begins to give his power, his seat, and his authority to this system. And I want to close with this today, and, and we'll pick it up again on Monday. We've been going for quite some time, but I pray the people have been blessed and engaged as, as much as I have been, at least. <laughs> oh, no, this is this has been awesome. I mean, to, well just wait. Well worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'm reluctant yeah. to stop, but only because we have to. But I, this is good. Praise God. So now listen to this. So then it goes into, into this is, okay, look, for today we'll close with this, but it's very possible, remember what we're talking about, that, that this is what John said would signal an end-time generation. It's very possible that we are witnessing this now and, and, that, and, and that something incredible is being seen and we just haven't picked up on it until now. One of the heads is wounded. Read that in, in verse 3, brother, brother Jeremy. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Check this out. (laughs) This blew me away, right? So it, it begins to talk about one of the heads, one of the seven being wounded. And so he's beginning to identify something. And he says this that the deadly wound is healed. Now, 
This blew me away. The wound that is healed is a signal to us. The word wound, do you know what it means, brother? Somebody look it up. Deadly wound. Not wounded, but wound. The meaning is a stroke, by implication, a wound, figuratively, a calamity, a plague. A what? Strike, a plague. A plague? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. A calamity plague. That's what it is. Public calamity, a wound that is generated by a calamity or a plague. Have heavy affliction also. A public, a public calamity, yeah. A public yeah. calamity. Is it possible that all these years that John had hidden in that descriptive language that a key component to identifying that we have reached this time is when a plague would come upon the system? And and that and that it would be healed. A vaccine maybe? And when well. it <laughs> and, and when it's healed, all the world is gonna wonder. Could it be that the wounded wow. head which is really a figure of, of the Roman Empire, which was wounded, are we being told that the system is going to rise out of a plague that will be healed. And all the world are going to wonder and admire as it rises. And then what's going to happen, it says, is that is that a mouth will be given to the system after this. I believe that we are witnessing the rise of this, and it could very well be that this global pandemic, this global plague, is the thing that hindered because remember brother we were fast moving towards the global society and then this thing happened and it's almost like it put the brakes on everything but but the deadly wound is going to be healed and and john uses the word plague and public calamity he's talking about a global event here and he's going to witness a plague be healed he said and out of it is going to cause the whole world to wonder, how did this happen? It's quite possible that that in the wings right now, stuff is going on that's going to bring about this the, the healing of a plague, and out of it, one will step forth because the whole framework of the system is now the nuts and bolts are being tightened, you know, the final finishing nails are being put while everybody's locked in their houses and freaking out. Behind the scenes, those ten horns and ten crowns are at work. And we didn't cover them today, but we will on Monday. Who they are, why they're so important, and what they mean, and how they actually are chiefly connected to the energizing of that wicked one. Verse 5, it says, There will be given unto this one that comes out of this system a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power will be given unto him for 42 months. In other words, the final three and a half years of human history. But I don't want to end on there. I want to close with this. Turn over to Revelation 17, 
14, and we'll pick it up here here again on Monday. If you're there, Revelation 17, are you there? Yes, 17, 14. 17, 14. Yes. Somebody read that for me. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, Amen. and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And faithful. Brothers, we could be very well witnessing that plague that John talked about. And I think that it's out of this plague and, 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 the, and the culmination of healing it, bringing about that healing, it's setting forth wow. the stage for the rise of that wicked one. The whole system is going to give its power to, to a mouth. Right? <laughs> How I propose that, the mouth, right? I mean, <laughs> so that's what he's wow. going to be called, the mouth. Right? And, and, and all the world's going to wonder how the system was healed out of this plague. And, and it, it, there's nothing between it and us anymore. And, 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 and we're going to talk about the ten horns. We're going to talk about the ten crowns on Monday. And we're going to show how that they are a chief component of what is happening. And I believe they are working feverishly behind the scenes right now. We're just a few yeah. months, maybe a couple years away from what we're seeing. Isn't it interesting that, that they're saying that, you know, we're looking at 18 months to two years before we have this vaccine, right? There could be another wave yeah. or two of this horrible plague and all that stuff. They keep telling us the collapse of the financial markets, the economy, all of it's being set up. And the world is going to turn its energy and say, you know, enough with all this religion, enough with all this stuff. We need to be one. Isn't it interesting how the Pope just came out the other day and started, I sent you that article, Brother Fennell, right? He's talking about how we yeah. need to unite. We need to be one world, you know, the planet. You know, we need to take care of the whole planet. We need to, oh, man. It's all here. It's all happening. The question is, do we have eyes to see? But the but the glorious thing is we need not be afraid. We need not fear these things. God has told us before they came to pass so that we could prepare our families. We could prepare our hearts, our minds, our churches, our brothers for what is just ahead. But we know in Revelation 17, verse 14, they're going to try and resist him. But they can't because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's coming soon to take back what he bought and paid for in his precious blood. He is risen. He's coming again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you close this out? Praise God. Praise well, thank God. you for well, thank you for listening to this podcast. Goodbye. No, this this the implications, brother of what you just said, um, of what's taking place, you know, if that wound is, a, it is a plague. That's what it says in the in the Greek there. And as it pertains to this particular plague that we're seeing in our time, if, if this is the pandemic that is setting up this framework, then we need some, we need, to, we, we got work to do. We need to really Man. examine ourselves. To see yes, if we sir. are in the faith. Think about it. For for years we have pandemics that touch certain parts of the globe, but this pandemic is touching the whole globe. And and that unified cry you spoke about that will arise from the people to be governed or controlled. That's that's what people are crying out for right now. They they yep. they want a centralized economical system so they don't have to worry about how to pay for the rent tomorrow or if they're going to have food on the table, 
right? A cry, a cry for a unified, centralized healthcare system. That's how it's starting yeah. right now, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and, and, that, and so you get you, you understand a little bit of what the Bible says that He causes. It's not the yeah. mark of the beast is not going to be forced on people. It's going to be uh, uh, it, it's going to be presented awesome. as the better alternative. Yeah. You know, to to make sure that the instability in the world, at least, you know, uh, is 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 not as bad for people. You know, where they feel some kind of stability in the world, but it's really the lie of the devil, right? Yes. But think about this: if the implications of what you brought out there, if if that wound, which is a plague, is speaking of this pandemic, or or maybe you know uh, things get better going down the road, but then a flare-up occurs, and yes. we don't have control, because they keep talking about that, right? Or, this, this or a wave healing. That's going to come. Yeah. Or yeah, a vaccine, so, right? Yeah. Incredible, incredible. And and it's all gearing up to make war against the land. The devil yeah. has come down having great wrath, right, to the inhabitants oh, yeah. of the earth. The Lord will respond to his wrath with his wrath. But before he pours out his wrath, we have a rapture. We have the coming of the Lord where he will take us away. And that's our yeah. hope. That's our Praise hope. And that's his promise. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Lord, amen. 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 You know, to all our listeners, please ponder on these things. Do not get hanged yes. up on timing, if rapture, this. No, listen. Listen, we have come to you with the scriptures. We have come to you with the word of God. And ponder on these things. Don't just, oh, this is another podcast. No, there's ponder on these things, examine these things, and, and the Holy Spirit will show you what he wants to show you. We pray that you have a good weekend. We pray that you stay in prayer. You stay uh, uh, safe in this moment, in this hour. And uh, Lord willing, we will be back with you on Monday. As we continue on this deep study of uh, what we've been studying right now today in the book of Revelation, may God bless you. And as we always like to say here, keep looking up.